Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Happy Hump Day. Life, love, and liberty. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it's never dull. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, nevertheless. It was announced today that he has been talking with associates about switching parties, about leaving the Democrat Party, and he immediately calls bullshit. Before the end of the workday, he has called BS on that story. He is not considering leaving the Democrat Party, apparently. But if he were to leave the Democrat Party, it would certainly leave them with less than a majority. Sorry, Uncle Chucky, and that would be a beautiful thing. But it appears that we are not looking at an an immediate departure on behalf of Senator Manchin. Uh, That's really sad. Not even sure he would caucus with Republicans as it is, but that was the ask of of many Republicans who were excited about the prospect of Schumer losing his Senate majority. And I got to tell you, I got to back you back up. We got to back up for just a minute to the uh, senatorial runoff here in the state of Georgia. Many of you have stuck with the story that Lynn Wood and others, including but not limited to uh, President Donald Trump encouraged people to stay home um, from voting during the Senate runoff. And I, and I have to tell you something. Um, I never personally heard Linwood or the president say, stay home. There's no reason to vote. What both individuals, and I'm, and I'm more inclined to simply quote Mr. Wood, because I saw, I watched... Um, and you can as well. I was not there, but I, I watched the video of uh, Lynn Wood, Attorney Lynn Wood, in the state of Georgia, along with Sidney Powell and others, Vernon Jones, other people who were on that stage with them, um, and here in the state of Georgia back uh, last November, actually. Um, it was my understanding that Lynn was saying, listen, you've got a messed up, uh, system, you're in, these are my words, the election grid is down, right? And, and he's saying, why aren't your candidates demanding um, transparency with regard to 2020? And what he was saying is that if your candidates, a la uh, David Perdue at the time and uh, Kelly Leffler, if they're not pounding sand over it, then what's the point? Like you need to be, you need to be blowing up the phone lines of your current uh, sitting elected and appointed United States senators to say, hey, we have election issues here in the state of Georgia, and in order for us to have a fair shot at that, you know, this this needs to be done before voters show up to vote. That's how I understood what he said. You can find that video anywhere if it has not already been doctored. But every time I hear someone say. Lynn Wood and President Trump told people not to vote. Now I will I'm gonna I'll tell you this, I'm gonna take full responsibility for this on my part. 
full disclosure, I did not vote. I told you I wasn't going to vote because I was watching the affidavits come in. I was listening to people call me and tell me as sources what they saw, what they encountered. I was on the phone with the Secretary of State's office so here in Georgia. So I knew that with with you could call it circumstantial evidence, what I'm not an attorney, obviously. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But I had more access to information regarding what was happening here in my county, A, because I'm a voter in this county. And so I know what's going on. B, I've lived in Georgia my entire life. I have warned everyone for years about the issues that Fulton County has. And everyone who lives here knows that Fulton County has issues. They've always had issues. That is nothing new. It is nothing, quite honestly, Trump-centric. I firmly believe, this is my humble opinion, that I'm still allowed to have. By law, I am allowed to have an opinion. What you do with my opinion is on you. I have never encouraged anyone to be violent, nor would I. I have never incited anything, nor would I. I've never done anything but stand for the truth and honor integrity and law in this country. Inasmuch it's within my ability to do so, or my knowledge to do so. And I say that because what did I just tell you guys a couple of weeks ago? Apparently, you know, all every American breaks, I don't know how many different laws a day, like we'd be aghast, a laws that we're, we're totally unaware of, right? And so I, I say that, I, I give you that disclaimer with, in as much as it's within my knowledge, I have done nothing to lead people astray uh, intentionally or maliciously. That is not who I am. That is not what I've done. And by law, I'm still granted by the United States Constitution of these states of America, these United States of America, the freedom of speech. And that includes my expression. Now, people are attempting to criminalize opinion and information, which is astounding considering who is attempting to criminalize it and why. But this isn't the first time in history this has happened, and we're going to cover that in just a moment. But I did not vote in that runoff, and I was very candid with you all, and I told you I wasn't going to vote in the runoff, and I told you precisely why. I told you exactly why I wasn't going to vote. Now, you can judge me. You can cast your little marbles and stones and sticks and all whatever it is that you feel like you need to get out of your system. Go for it. It, it's my vote, and I didn't have to disclose that, but considering I'm a public figure, there. I did not I told you that back in November. I wasn't going to vote, and I did not vote. And the number one reason I didn't vote is because I felt like it was, mm, it just didn't make sense. If If five different states could stop at the same time in this country, if that level of coordination could occur across this nation, and my county was involved in that, my state was involved in that, in this, in stopping votes and picking votes back up to count later in the evening. If, if you don't see that that's just a little wonky, then I don't know what to say to you. 
And I'm again, I'm not a Trump sycophant. I happen to believe as a matter of spirituality, as a woman who reads scripture, as a woman who ministers to people with scripture, that I consider to be the truth, the inerrant truth of God. And yes, I know man wrote it and all that other secular, you know, stuff, the humanist stuff that we espouse. I get it. I've had issues with it too. I hear you. But it's part of my relationship building with my creator. And again, by law, I am still allowed to do that. I am still allowed to worship my God in this country. That is still on the books. So even though the entire country looks crazy and as though law doesn't matter, the Constitution doesn't matter, you know, I've been tweeting for weeks that we are a post-constitutional landmass at this point. So even though those are the, that's how it appears, the truth is if you end up in a court of law, even if you end up with the most liberal of, of justices, it, the law still stands. Now, are there, the Constitution still currently stands. My First Amendment right and yours still stands. Doesn't mean people are not going to try to criminalize your ability to speak and think according to your own beliefs, according to written word, according to knowledge, according to biology, according to science, according to decency, according to order, According to love, compassion, and mercy, it doesn't mean those things are not, people are not going to attempt to shut them down. Because the world doesn't understand things of the spirit, and they're not supposed to, because they're carnally minded. And the carnal mind is at enmity with God. Which means that you are at you are adversaries. And so when people of God, who are law-abiding citizens, who understand decency and order and, uh, and our Constitution, I mean, just basic, basic, fundamental things that we've always held dear, at least in my generation, and for sure my, my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation, you know, things we've held dear that are, that are, that are, that are, that are, what's the word I'm looking for? They're sacred. Your autonomy, your biology is sacred. Do you understand that? That's what my beef as a minister of the gospel, of God, of Jesus Christ that's my beef with mandates. It's one of them. But it's my plumb line. The Constitution's not even my plumb line on that, but it is a plumb line for sure as a patriot, as a citizen of this country. And there they are in unison, but if we didn't have a Constitution, if the Constitution was used for toilet paper, if they flushed it, if they convened a convention of states and they totally raped and pillaged and molested our Constitution and there was no longer a Constitution. I'm not saying that would happen during a convention of states, by the way. I am highly in favor of that. But I don't think that's going to happen this go around. And if it doesn't happen now, it likely never will. Just Just side note there. So... I digress. 
My point is, my plumb line is the word of God. So if I believe that God created us in his image and likeness, then that is sacred to me. You are sacred to me. Your autonomy, your sovereignty, right? Your biology, your life, the breath in your body is sacred to me because it's sacred to my creator because he created me, he created you. In his image and likeness. And there's no confusion in God. There's no fear in God. There's no compulsion to oppress in God. Like I said, just the other night, he's the, he's the author and the finisher of Liberty. He just is. And so with that knowledge and with that faith and that wisdom, ultimately faith that God is planted deep in my bones and my soul. That is the premise by which I govern my life. And I look at the world around me and I'm able to, 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 to understand what is truth and, and what is a lie. What is freedom and what is oppression? So this is not the first time in history that humans have sought to oppress other humans. Right. And you know what? According to the Old Testament, the Lord was like, okay, fine. You guys want to keep doing it your way? No problem. You're about to go into captivity for roughly 400 years. Well, exactly 400 years. And good luck with that. I'll still be there. I'm still going to, I'm still going to be God. Right. But this is what's going to happen. It's coming. And he always tells you before people go into captivity. It's, it will, in the word, it's right there. Right. So I have been studying in the book of Daniel and I wanted to talk tonight about relationships and I'm going to, I'm going to get to that, but in, in, in very specific things with relationships, but, but as it relates as well, along the lines of, of relating, okay, something that might help us right now in this moment where the Pentagon is being sued ad nauseum. You've got hospitals shutting down, uh, emergency rooms shutting down. You have first responders walking out ad nauseum. Um, you've got a, a national day of just walk off the job. Uh, I can't remember when that is, but someone was uh, promoting that for a day in November. Um, and people are like, well, nurses and doctors can't do that. I'm like, really? Watch them. People are already molesting their Hippocratic Oath. They're already turning against it. They're already defying what they've sworn to uphold. People not able to get transplants, organ transplants, over a mandated vaccine that's not even technically a vaccine. And see, even saying that to some people is, oh, you're leading people astray. Well, no, actually, I'm not leading people astray. I'm not leading people anywhere. I'm on my little platform called the Monica Matthews Show, Life, Love, and Liberty. And guess what that means? This means that this is my opinion, and you have yours. And if you don't like the information I'm espousing, go find other information. Add to it. Take away from it. I don't care. I'm not giving you the the gospel of Monica. My opinions change. 
based on the knowledge that I receive and information and new information and new wisdom and discernment. You know, things change and people change. That too is sacred. You know why it's sacred to God that you have the right to change? Because he says he takes you from glory to glory. That's why. He does that, not me. I don't take you from glory to glory. I barely take, I can't take myself from glory to glory. But he takes us from glory to glory. What is glory to glory? It's change. It's evolution. It's, it's taking you up out of that base nature that we all have, because there's only two. We've got our base nature, which is kind of like our monkey brain, spider, you know, our, 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 our reptilian brain, if you will. And not to sound like, you know, my, my colleague, but... And then you've got your spirit nature. That's it. Those are your two choices. It's really simple. It's actually kind of binary, right? Today, when the State Department is celebrating, I don't know how many different pronouns. This is like National International Pronoun Day or something. I have no idea. I saw that and I thought, wow, that's that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to that, and my response to that is probably something that, you know, is not going to, um, is not going to sit very well with some people. And it may actually get my account flagged again, you know, wouldn't be the first time that that's happened. But, but I want to, I want to stick with this, with this story in, in Daniel. Okay. So Daniel, there are many different stories that can come out of Daniel, but the thing, my main takeaway from my studies today we're really simple as it relates to where we are right now. So Daniel was was a seer. Okay, Daniel had the gift of of dream interpretation, otherwise known as prophecy. Um, and and I believe there are different quote not shades of prophecy, but there are different levels and and realms and characteristics of people who have a gift of prophecy and people who are called to the office of prophecy. And clearly Daniel was positioned during this time so that he would be in a position to represent the voice of God to a godless, godless Babylon. Okay, so so we have King Nebuchadnezzar. You may be familiar with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was uh, a very proud and successful king, and his his reach was basically all throughout the land. And he has this dream that freaks him out. He's like, what the heck is that? No one can interpret it. And someone remembers that Daniel has the gift. Really, he has, he has more than a gift. Huh. This is really important for some of you to grasp because you're carrying gifts but what you have forgotten is who the gift giver is and that it's in, in that and exactly what that is inside of you. And the word says that he he was a he was an agent of light, right? And in holiness. And it was recognized. Like he stood he stood apart from the leadership, the government of that day. He stood apart from that. He and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they did not eat. And all those names, by the way, were, were given to them by their uh, captives. By, I'm sorry, by their, uh, listen to me, by their captives. By the, uh, they were taken captive by, yes, thank you. <laughs> My friend's sitting here laughing at me. By their captors. 
<laughs> Thank you. By their captors. Okay, so they were given different names in accordance to the the government and in the in the ways of, of that particular government, which were not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, there were multiple. There they were. Uh, they were. There were multiple gods, right? So, but they were predicated upon, you know, the stars, the moon, the the whole uh, astrology. Uh, versus mythology, you know, versus whatever people. And listen, I'm not, I'm certainly not making fun because I believe in the spirit realm and I, and I do believe that these deities and entities and whatnot, uh, if you know anything about the spirit realm, you do know that there are things that have power. I mean, that's just how it is, like it or not. And it's not spooky or Hollywoodish or weird or wonky. It just, you know, I'm not drinking Kool-Aid. It is what it is. So with all of that, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And he's like, I don't know what it means. And Daniel comes in, a long story short, he interprets it. And he basically tells King Nebuchadnezzar, guess what? Uh, and he does it with respect. And he does it with honor. And he does it with respect for the king's position. And he understands that he is the captive and the king is the captor, right? And so he, and he understands that, and here's where it got kind of funky today on Twitter, because he because I asked a question regarding this. He understood that the king was positioned by God. The king didn't understand who positioned him. But Daniel knew who positioned him. So God speaks to Daniel about this dream, and effectively, effective immediately, um, King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And his glory, his power, his authority, everything is going to be stripped of him by the people around him. Okay. And so, and that comes to pass. So then you fast forward and King, and then King Nebuchadnezzar goes out into the wilderness and he does become like the beasts. He has nails like talons. His hair looks like the feathers of an eagle. He is like a wildebeest for real, like jungle Nebuchadnezzar out in the out in the middle of nowhere, like a nomad. Just you know, literally went from a king, a king with full authority, to nada, nothing. And the word says it's because he was puffed up in his mind, and and pride took root in his heart and it hardened his mind. And that's interesting. Like pride entered his heart and it, and it, and it also hardened his mind. Now think about that, especially as it relates to the Israelites who died out in the desert. Right. And the reason they died was because they wouldn't enter into God's rest. And when, and the word tells you that means they were a stiff necked people. They were belligerent. They were not going to enter into God's rest and trust him for anything. And so they give him glory, then they take it away, and they give him glory, then they take it away. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, God's like, all right, so I see that your glory has made its way all the way up here to the heavens. And guess what? I'm about to show you who's God. And he does. And so King Nebuchadnezzar ends up out in the wilderness for a while. And once he you know, gets it together and realizes, whoops, I have goofed on that one, and God really is God, then he is restored to his right mind. He goes on to, the, the book of Daniel goes on to talk about his son, King uh, Belshazzar, okay? And and again, this is, this is really, really, <laughs> this is one of those stories in the Bible where I'm like, okay, 
I'd probably just drop dead if this happened. So they're all sitting around and they're partying in the king's chambers, right? And they're drinking out of the sacred cups that his father, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, took from the holy place. And and I'm I'm imagining that because I haven't dug that deep into all of this in a very long time, but I would imagine that King Nebuchadnezzar at least had enough sense not to drink out of the holy chalices, right? Well, this kid is like, yeah, whatever. You know, he's kind of, he reminds me of that son in John Wick, the first one. Remember that little punk? Yeah, the the little Soviet kid that was like, well, what? I just, he was just a puppy, and I just stole his car. And his dad's like, oh, my Jesus, you've actually awakened the boogeyman, the bubble guy. <laughs> Are you serious? And so, I, you know, I just imagine this kid, this king, the son of King Nebuchadnezzar, um, just having that kind of whatever kind of attitude, you know, bring me the wine and bring me the chicks and, you know, pop open the bubbly and let's do this thing. Well, all of a sudden, while they're all partying, a finger, literally a finger appears, a hand and a finger appears and starts writing on the wall. I'm laughing because it freaks me out and writing on the wall. And the king didn't understand what the writing was. So the queen, who was summoned a while ago to come to the party, she shows up and she's like, all right, everyone. And he it's, it describes him as basically peeing his pants, like he loses his countenance. He's like, okay, what is that? Why is there a hand without a body attached to it writing on the wall of my chambers right now? Okay, can you imagine And so she says, don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't sweat it. You know, I know of someone, this David fellow who can, you know, interpret dreams. And she calls for David. And David comes and he says, you have been measured. You have been found wanting. And your kingdom is going to be taken away from you today. And that is exactly what happened. And then he actually blessed David before he was slain that night. And he blessed him into a position of authority and into a higher position of authority. Okay, now here's David, man of God, follow me, man of God, not abiding by the, not all of them, the edicts of the land. Now, he did have respect for the people in position of authority. He also had a calling and he had an assignment on his life. He worshiped at the feet of God. And he kept the word of God basically perfectly in as much as it's possible for a human man to do that. Okay. So they couldn't find any error in him. And it was something that after that particular king died, uh, another king stepped, King Darius steps into his place and promotes Daniel to basically the lead president, if you will, over, and I guess in modern day terms, maybe that would be considered a governor, but there were multiple governors or multiple leaders over multiple regions of this land. And Daniel was positioned to be the top president of the three presidents over these others. And in that, again, he's still honoring God, okay? He prays to the Lord three times a day. This is the same Daniel that we're about to hear gets thrown into the lion's den, 
Okay. And so he's, he's honored God. They can find no fault with him. Well, it says that one day the leaders just decide, let's try to find something wrong with Daniel. Let's just poke around and see. But the thing that motivated them was jealousy. It was envy. And that is cross-referenced throughout Scripture. The Bible says that Jesus was killed because of a spirit of jealousy. So whenever I talk about how deadly jealousy is, envy and jealousy, because it really is idolatry, it's fear, it's an accusation against God that he gave something to someone, whether it's white skin, it's opportunity, it's a college degree, it's a prettier wife, it's a husband, it's a job, it's a car, a house, more benefits, a free ride into whatever. I mean, you name it, and and envy and jealousy and covetousness can take hold in no time at all. So these guys get together, his fellow leaders, basically like the government of the day. They get together, guided by, driven by, rather, a spirit of jealousy. And they want to take Daniel out, not because he's done anything wrong, but because they're jealous of him. And he's not like them. And they conspire against him. And what do they do? They can't find anything within the law that he's broken. So you know what they do? They change the laws. So when I tell you that our Constitution still stands as of right now and that she is a document and a piece of paper and a rule of law worth living and dying by and for, I mean exactly that. Because that document ensures that you and I have due process, which is something that the rest of the world basically cannot relate to in as much as we do with our court system. And I realize it looks crazy, and I realize people are not abiding by the law. I realize our judiciary is compromised. I realize all of that. I'm not asleep to any of that. But here's the good news. You ready? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because King Darius was like, well, he did. We changed the law, and, 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 we, and the law was that you would bow to no other god. Do you see where I'm going with this? The law was you, he would bow to no other God. No one in the land would bow to anyone other than Darius. And so the men who conspired against him to bring false charges against him, who changed the law of the land without even telling him, without telling anyone, they changed the law of the land, and he is still on his knees. Remember, he's the same person, and so were Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who would not eat the meat of the king because they did not want to defile themselves as men of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So King apparently that was forgivable. This, however, with him bowing and praying to his God three times a day, that got him thrown into the lion's den. 
Not only that, but it says they rolled the stone in front of it. The king signed it, uh, sealed it with his signet. Others did too. And that was it. He was, he was, he was gone. And the king's like, well, if that's your God, then let your God save you. What did I just say last night in my podcast to you all? That it is impossible for you to put your faith in God and for you to repent from your ways that are not of God. For God not to forgive you, for God not to make mercy and grace shower and rain down upon you, and for him to provide provision for you whenever you walk out on the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. And for those of you leaving your jobs, leaving professions, careers, schools, families, reputations, safety, all of it, this is a word you cannot afford not to hear and tuck down into the innermost parts of your belly. Because this is God's faithfulness. Daniel's laid up in the lion's den like petting the kitty all night. Wake up the next morning, king rolls back the stone. He couldn't even sleep. The king was deeply troubled by what he had done. Could not sleep. Rolls the stone away. Daniel's chill. Chill as a cucumber. Sitting there with the lion like, well. And and the king was so ecstatic and probably like, holy crap, that he told the rest of the land that the edict that went forth was that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Daniel was the Holy of Holies and God. So I'm telling you, and it turned in his favor and the people of God, and because of his faithfulness, because of his faith, And because of his faith and his trust in God, and he called upon his God and God answered. But he was positioned in that place in order to bring light into darkness and to be the feet of God. Right? And some of you are being persecuted. We all are. If if you're on team God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, truth, Bible, Christian, decency, order, sanity, um, law, constitution, flag, anthem, uh, military, uniform, service, servitude, anything of that net right, low taxes, small government. If that's you, you're you're if if you're not being persecuted, you're on the list. <laughs> so all of us who subscribe to everything I just said. To liberty. If you subscribe to liberty for all, you're on the enemy's radar. And I'm speaking spiritually. And he works through people and systems. And so while government was always meant to be a godly construct, because right here in Daniel, it it also says that God appoints leadership. And so it's not because of man. It's not because you're so great. It's not because you raise more money than your opponent. And those are really hard truths for me sometimes because I work in politics and I see some really crappy people in my humble opinion. I see some people who lie to their voters who are scandalous. I mean, and I know firsthand how scandalous they are. And I watch the show and the parade and I think, oh, all right, Lord. Tell me what to say, if anything, and when and how and where. And sometimes it's not for me to share, and I don't. Because God knows. 
And our sins always find us out. Always. So David has favor, right? And David stood and he was unmovable. He was immovable. And I would submit to you that one of the reasons why we are where we are in this country is because not only have we moved, we have legitimately bowed to the ways of the world. I said that just last night as well. And so as I'm watching this uh, post by the State, Depa- the State Department today tweeted, and I couldn't help but respond, and I said, well, here's the deal. I'm trying to find the piece. Here it is. Department of State on Twitter is recognizing the they, they, them, theirs, she, he, uh, you know, wh- however it is you identify, right? And it's got like all these different figures and I, I don't know if there's a, can't tell if that's a white person. I don't know. Who cares? But they're all different colors of people and hairstyles and uh, ethnic, uh, you know, ethnic garb and all of that. Um, and, and they're, they're, they want to be a part of the brouhaha of everyone say them and there and they and he and she and however you want to uh, be addressed, right? Even if I look at you and you're obviously a man and you want me to say they or theirs or them or us or I don't know, and I'm not making fun. It's just so much, okay? And as a, as a minister, again, this is one of those shows that it does it zero justice for me to get started, and I just need to do a show on it. And, and bring back, you know, my trans friends and my, my gay friends. And, and we talk about this in a, in a very loving and um, eloquent and pragmatic way, a very logical way, right? Because most of my gay friends are like, listen, we don't need y'all to refer to us any kind of way other than by my name. We are not card-carrying members of the LGBTQUAXYZ community, nor do we want to be because they see it for what it is. Right. And then my gay friends and my trans friends are in agreement that you should leave all the kids alone. See, but these are the conversations that you all don't hear about. And if I post about it, I get flagged and I get removed and then I get put on a list like I'm some kind of a phobic hater. So my response to the State Department, Department of State today was this. Anything I say can and will be used against me. So I may as well speak the unwavering truth of God. There are two sexes, as it is written. That does not require me to fear or hate. It requires I speak truth to lies in accordance with my faith and my home. I will not be found complicit with worldly confusion when my ultimate judge asks me why I didn't speak order to chaos. And that will be the conversation we have. Monica? You knew the truth. Why didn't you speak it? Monica, you knew the truth. Why didn't you, why didn't you live it? Monica, you knew the truth. Why didn't you honor it? And you know what? That's going to be your conversation too. And I'm not so sure that willful ignorance is going to cut it. Now, the word is very clear for those who have never heard the good news. Those who have, their ears have never even heard it. How can you be held accountable for something you've never even been subjected to? That is not a just and fair God. But for those of us who have heard the truth, 
for those of us who have been entrusted with your ears and your eyes, and we don't speak the unadulterated truth of God, which says that when it comes to sexuality, it is sacred to God. It is sacred to God. And it is no man's place to judge anyone's sexuality. But for you as a government to force and to criminalize the truth of God and biology, and for those of us who adhere to both, because they are synonymous, no matter how much man has attempted to alter biology through science, but for those of us who choose to adhere to the truth in love, and you want to criminalize that, I guess we're going to have to take our chances and that God is still our God. And you know why it's worth it? Because if you've ever sat across from someone who genuinely wants to end their life because they don't understand why they are attracted to the person they're attracted to. They don't understand why they're not okay in their own flesh and they're confused and they're tormented every time they look in the mirror and they believe they were born the wrong sex. If you don't know what that's like to sit across from someone, and I'm not talking about reprogramming, I'm talking about watching, meeting that person right where they are, right where they are with open arms in an open mind and completely suited in the word of God, which is the love of God to be able to offer and extend truth in mercy and in grace, which ultimately leads all of us to freedom. And there's nothing free about hating yourself. There's nothing free about being confused about who you are and wanting to take your own life. That is not freedom. That is not God. That is not God. That is a God, but that is not the God. So for those of you who look around our world and you think to yourself, how in the actual hell did we get here? It's very simple, ladies and gentlemen. We got here through acquiescence, capitulation, fear, idolatry, comfort, all of it. Mocking, ignorance, willful ignorance, rebellion, covetousness, envy, jealousy. That's how we got hating, pride. That's how we got here. That's how we got to the place where I can no longer look at a man and say, sir, or his or him without it, it, it offending someone possibly. And ultimately it could cost your job. It could cost your freedom. This is the way of the world. And the only reason it's gotten to this point again is because we have not stood for the truth and we accepted the lies, and now the lies are demanding to be fulfilled. It's all very sobering, isn't it? 
I was going to talk about something really fun tonight, <laughs> like dating, <laughs> but I think I'll save that for tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, because I did not know that this conversation was going to go, uh, this deep and this wide and, um, and this heartfelt in accordance with the word of God. And again, I'm not an expert in anything but my life. I'm very clear about that. And the only reason I have a voice and the only reason I have faith to the extent that I do is because God has been gracious and merciful and he still sits on the throne, whether I try to boot him off of it on the regular or not. And he's still great. And he still loves us. And he has not abandoned us. But we're going to have to choose between truth and lies. And you're going to bow to one or the other. That's it. Those are our only two choices. If you're a professional, you know I'm right. Because you're living it. You physicians out there, I have a buddy of mine in Alabama who is a doctor who struggles greatly with his spiritual convictions and things that he's being called to do in the way of, um, you know, capitulating to the um, desires of someone wanting to permanently alter their sexual organs in order to satisfy the mental and emotional uh, feelings, yearnings, beliefs, curiosity, desires, whatever it is, um, sex regarding their own sexuality. Okay. And that causes this person a whole lot of grief because it goes against his first amendment, right? Of practicing his faith as a believing Catholic. Your first amendment, right? Is not simply your right to believe. It is your right to practice your belief. That is fundamentally crucial to your knowledge and your understanding and in assisting you to continue to stand and to resist the devil. It is very difficult to resist a devil who has infiltrated every area of government and justice very difficult, but you can do it. You can resist, but it is going to be costly. It is risky. But I think now for many of you, you've left your jobs. Some of you, your families have left you over mandate, over vaccine mandates. And I think for some of you, and and I'm going to tell you something, (laughs) this is where the United States government underestimates the power of the almighty God. Because when a body of believers, a body of people who have nothing left to lose, who have agreed with their own personal agency and autonomy and the law, the current law of the land, when you've agreed with that, that you have jurisdiction over your physical being, that you have jurisdiction over what you put into it, and when, and how, and how much, and how come, why come. When you agree with that, and you're willing to lose your income 
your house, your spouse, your friends, your reputation, your car, your comfort. When you're willing to do that and you've stepped out on that skinny branch of faith, when that's all, when you've got a mustard seed of faith and you jump out there on that branch and, and, and you're like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but this is my conviction. And you're not putting that stuff in my veins because nobody should have to put anything into their veins mandated by the government. Like you must or else. You cannot. You are not suitable for society. You will not enjoy society. You will not go to dinner. You will not have a practice. You will not get to come to the movie theater. You will not get to be the like, like the rest of us. You will not have a say. Matter of fact, you don't, you don't even exist. You don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. When people get to a point where they're willing to say, oh, yeah, I'm just telling you, y'all need to hang in there. We are more unified as a nation right now than we have been in a very long time time. Don't let anyone tell you differently. We are more united right now around sovereignty and liberty than we ever have been, no matter what our government appears to be doing or not doing. Okay? And God's mandate is that you love all manner of man. It is also God's mandate that we put him above all else. All right, till tomorrow. We'll have some fun on tomorrow's show. (laughs) Unless I keep studying Daniel. (laughs) And then who knows where we're going to end up. (laughs) But somewhere down the Euphrates. All right, you know what to do. Be good with with your neighbor. (laughs) That too, speaking of dating. Be good to your neighbor. Beginning in your own mirror. And remember... If you're an American, act like one. I just hope your heart's full.